0: if you just love yourself enough and trust yourself as you would trust a guide or a guardian and know that whatever they have you have and it's like little things it's it's it's, it's building blocks right and mm-hmm. um, most of the i work mostly with women and a few brave men like you <laughs> and the thing that i find the most is that they've been indoctrinated to trust everything in their life except themselves. Yes. You know, trust the government, trust your teachers, trust your your parents, trust your husband. Mm -hmm. And that's all well if they're worthy of your trust. Right. And what they're doing is worthy of of love and light and unity. If it's not, and you're feeling it, it's causing a negative backwash, like a tsunami Mm -hmm. on your energy. And you need to clear that and come to terms with it, and then trust. Ask your guides and guardians. Just ask. Mm-hmm.
1: Hello, friends, and welcome to Curiously Wise. I am so happy that you are here with us today. I am getting to interview this amazing woman that I got to interview in a very short format at Potapalooza back in, gosh, October? I think it was, I don't know. Yeah, it's. Sometime recently, but, but Donna is such a, a a wonderful, fun person to talk to that I invited her to come and have a full-length conversation with me. Lucky me and lucky you. Now, let me tell you a little something about Donna Fairhurst. Donna is a life and soul transition coach and the chief evolving officer of Soulful Solutions. I love that term. <laughs> She empowers her clients to create powerful pivots through any challenge and live on purpose with creativity and passion. Combining psychic abilities, aura imaging, healing energy modalities, and practical tools for daily living, tough love in a velvet glove, she empowers her clients to their highest level of awareness here and now. Donna, I am so excited to have this conversation with you. Welcome. Oh, Lauren, I, I, I
0: couldn't be more excited and honored to be here. I mean, the little bit the time that we had on Potapalooza was not enough.
1: No, no, Just, not at all. an amazing soul. Well, thank you. So are you. It's, I feel like you've walked the path a lot longer than I have. So it's, it's really lovely to have that opportunity. I see you as a wise woman, you know, it's like, oh, so that's that's and I love wise women because they have so much stuff to share. So We're going to talk about a lot of things, but let's start with, you have this incredible journey to where you are now with a lot of ups and downs and you've had three near-death experiences. Is that correct?
0: Four that that are on record. Uh, I don't remember the first one because I was, I was just a baby. I was a year old, but everything that happened, however, everything that happened with my parents after that for the next four or five years was a little strange. Mm -hmm. So I know that 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 was their experience and they my father was there when I flatlined so mm. he
1: told me about it so give us just the 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 journey from from wherever you first realized that you had these gifts these abilities to to where you are now
0: <laughs> i think when i was 4 was my first awareness that i was Different, that's the first real recollection I have. And it came from a spanky. My father had never spanked me in my life. And we had moved from the ranch where we had could run anywhere and were free to do anything. My brother was exactly a year younger than me. And my job was to watch him because he was a runner. And we moved into town. And my we had uh, the small town of Boness in Alberta. It uh, had wells for every three houses. We still had to carry water because the house we were renting didn't have running water. So my dad would go and get these big five-gallon pails of water and carry them to the house every day early in the morning. And my mother worked shift work as a nurse at the time. And so she was often gone in the evenings and coming back in the mornings before dad left. So he said, sat me on the step and said, look after your brother. And I got tied up with talking to a little spirit in the rosebush beside hmm. me. And I let go of Wayne's hand. Of course, he took off. And I'm talking to this little spirit angel in the rose bush. And my dad sees Wayne running. He runs and he grabs He comes back. And he's, you know, yelling at me. And dad didn't raise his voice to his kids very much. And he said, what in the hell do you think you were doing? Your brother could have been killed. I told you to hang on to him. What are you doing, Donna? And I said, I was talking to the little angel, the fairy in the bush. She's right here on the rose. Daddy, you can see her. And he looked at me and yeah. he yanked me up by my head and he gave me one swat of my butt. And he said, that's for letting go of your brother. And he gave me a second swat. And he said, that's for not telling the truth. Oh, and God. the third one is just for good measure. And I was rushed. Yeah. I, he never touched me in my life. And so I shut down. I knew it wasn't good to tell people about the, the yeah. angels and the beings that I talked to. I still continued to talk to them, but I only did it in private. And I would, I would actually really climb up if, if they came in when other people were around me. And mm. then as I got older, I got a little kind of a what the hell attitude. And I would just throw things at my parents and they would be shocked, <laughs> you know, that I knew these things. And one time my mother sat me down and she says, look, uh, I don't know how you're doing this. I know that it's not normal and I'm going to take you to see a doctor. And we're going to get to the bottom of this. And I think that they were afraid I was bipolar or something. Mm -hmm. No no offense to anybody that's bipolar. Right. That I I had an alternate personality that came out or something. And I was beginning to think that myself. Mm -hmm. And in truth, I just saw auras and I saw people. And I was born technically legally blind. So all I saw was color. And and if you were like if you're right here three feet away from me, I can see you perfectly. If I take off my glasses and I move back twenty feet, you're just a Christmas tree of lights to me. And so, when I tried to explain that, of course, they thought I was certifiably nuts. So, Mom took me to a a child psychologist, and he said, you know, there's nothing wrong. Donna is quite a brilliant person. There's she has a high IQ and she's she's a happy person. We'll just do some hypnosis to see if we can release these dream patterns that she's having because he assumed erroneously that these were dreams that I was then channeling to the to the present world Mm -hmm. and uh, it didn't work of course (laughs) and I continued but I shut down I shut up and I never ever spoke about it again to my parents oh until my grandfather died and then I came my grandfather came to me the night he died. He sat in my bed. He he was realer than you are on this screen to me. Mm-hmm. He was my flesh and blood grandpa sitting on my bed. And he woke me up and he said, and I said, what are you doing here? Daddy didn't tell me you were coming. Then he said, I'm dead. And I said, oh, like the others, because I call those people the others in my life. And he said, yeah. And I said, oh, he said, don't cry. This is a good thing. I'm old. It was my time. We were communicating without really talking. Mm -hmm. It was thought talk, heart talk. And then he said, I want your parents to know that you're a truth bearer and you're a light bearer. So you're going to go wake up your dad when I go and you're going to tell him everything that I tell you about where I died, how I died, what I was wearing, who saw me at the hospital. And you're going to do all of that really quickly. Because your auntie Irene is going to phone and tell your father that I'm dead. I mm. said, okay. So being a dutiful student and child, I sat there and I listened and nodded and repeated back to him. And he said, yes. And then he gave me a hug and he was gone. Mm. Not before he said, I will come back and see you whenever you need me. So he disappeared. I, I started crying, ran in, jumped on my dad and said, grandpa died, blah, 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 blah. And he said, oh, you've just had a bad dream. And he's walking me back to my room and my mom's standing anxiously at the door and the phone rings. And I said, that'll be Auntie Irene telling you that Grandpa's dead. He went, okay, Donna. And mom took over holding me. Mm -hmm. And dad goes to the phone and he said, what? When? And now he's sliding down the we, you know, those 1960s telephone stools? Yeah. missed the seat and ended up on the floor, <laughs> holding the phone with his legs straight out in front of me, staring down the hall at my mother and I. And he said, okay, all right, let me know when the, when the funeral is arranged and, and we'll get there. And then he just sat on the floor with the phone in his hand, staring at me with his hand on the, yes. you know, he clicked it off. <laughs> and you could hear the tone on the phone going and it was just like filling the space. It was so loud. And then he got up and he said to my mom, go back to bed. And then he took me in and sat on the bed with me. And he said, I'm so sorry. Mm -hmm. And he was crying. And he said, I'm so sorry. I know now, honey, that you were always telling me the truth, that it wasn't dreams and that, that you can see that you're a seer. I had no idea what a seer was. Mm -hmm. And he said, your great grandma was like you. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, he said, Everybody kind of called her the witch, right? And he said, your Auntie Bertha's like you, but she would never, ever say anything to the family. Hmm. So my father and I came to terms with it. My mother and I, not so much. I was in my forties before my mother reconciled to, to all of this.
1: Yeah. So many kids do get shut down. I I've, I've heard lots of adults who, as I've begun my spiritual path you know they they tell the story of how when they were little they saw things and then and then sort of the world came at them and they stopped and now it's coming back you know as they're as they're moving into their adult years i don't remember seeing anything as a kid but i remember my dad telling me stories about me telling him about the ghosts in our house yes sir. You know, so. <laughs> So I know that I did, but I, I don't remember it personally. I just remember the stories. And, and we did live in a house that was known to be haunted. My bedroom was known to be haunted. So, you
0: know. We have a ghost in this, this house that we're renting. She's lovely.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So it's, but I know that's, that's real common. So, okay. So let's fast forward a little bit. And when did you, did you bring these gifts into your work or how, how did you come to be the kind of coach you are today?
0: Oh, that took a long time. I have had such a diverse life and I've traveled the world. I lived for 12 and a half years in Indonesia and a a very different life. I was a teacher and really involved in community theater. I ran two different theaters in two different cities and was really started a swimming program and a life-saving program. They never had one in the schools, was part of building an international school and then working in another. And so this this wasn't a part of my life. And, and my husband at the time was really not open to any kind of discussion about spirit. He had lost his mom and his brother very tragically, young in life. And he had an experience that scared the bejesus out of him. And he just said, no, don't don't even talk to me about this. And he knew that I knew things that I shouldn't know he'd ever wanted to discuss them.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So it was coming back. And then I went through, I have I've battled cancer three times. I've, you know, gone, had bankruptcy. I went through with that gentleman, the worst divorce in the face of the universe for, you know, beam me up, Scotty. It's, it was bad. Mm-hmm. I was suicidal twice from it. I went into massive depression. And then I, you know, pulled back to a book that I had been reading to my daughter when she had been very, very ill for a couple of years. And it was Ask Your Angels. Mm. And I started asking them. I started talking to them again. I didn't bring it into my work. I didn't do anything about it. If somebody miraculously found me through some weird synchronicity, Mm -hmm. then I would share or do what needed to be done to bring them to peace. I didn't, however, take it out there in the world. I was running a travel agency for eight and a half years, and then 911 hit, and that's how I went bankrupt. 600 agencies across Canada closed in 24 hours because the banks pulled their line of credit or demanded so much security on them that they couldn't go. You know, it's like how, how the government kept Air Canada going, but let Canada 3000, which was the greatest airline, go down, and they had an right. asset. So it was it was a strange world. So in my third marriage, I found my soulmate and I worked with him. I became a machinist and a millwright, if you can imagine. From being an executive in multiple travel corporations, I went to be a millwright and a machinist. And I aced it and I loved it. And I could have challenged my first level millwright certifi- certification, machinist certification. So then we moved and moved again, and I sort of semi-retired for a couple of years and toyed with writing and my art and everything. And then he came to me and said, look, you know, you're bored as hell. Why don't you do what you really came here to do? And I looked at him and he said, you know that you're a spiritualist. You know that you're here to maybe not save the world, but save the people that can save the world. Mm -hmm. So why (laughs) don't you do what you were always born to do and just do that? And of course, I didn't know what doing that looked like.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: However, when he opened that door for me, and it took me two, two more years of talking to other spiritually aligned people and rereading all of my books. I mean, I must have a thousand books related to spirituality. And, you know, yeah. I really loved Bill Dal Walsh's quote, phrase, you're God godding No matter what mm. you do, you're God Goding. So God in the best way you can. And it, it was just changed my life. Between Wayne Dyer and Neil Donald Walsh, I believe those and, and Shakti Gawain, those people changed my life and and made me able to trust, allowed me to be able to trust myself, trust my heart, and trust what I was getting. And when I started to trust, it just grew and grew and grew. And then the coaching just kind of started on the side. And then one day my sister, who's very pragmatic, said, Why aren't you charging for this? <laughs> you know? well this is you can make a living doing this. That's right. And I was playing around with it in retirement. And, you know, I started step by step doing it. And as I did, the people aligned that helped me to take the next step and the next step. Am I good at the business part of it? Absolutely not. But <laughs> I, I am I, at the and the computer stuff now, like when people and I'm trying to learn from tell me about funnels and this and that. I lose the will to live. Mm-hmm, wait, mm-hmm, wait. Mm-hmm. I'm a tetanosaurus rex and I, I admit it. <laughs> I admit it fully. But so so somehow turn. I <laughs> fumble and bumble my way through it. I have an amazing uh, webmaster who keeps my website up to date and makes it sparkle. Mm-hmm. And people find me through that. And, and life is good. I, I love it. And best of all is I get to meet people like you and share the journey.
1: Yeah, I know. That's one of my my very favorite things. This this podcast was definitely heart-led and it was spirit-led. It was like, you're going to get your voice out there. You got to start a podcast. I'm like, I don't know how to do that. Suddenly a, a course popped up with a, a coach I'd been working with. And then, you know, I had people show up to show me how to do things. But the best part, I get so lit up from these conversations because I get to talk to such amazing people that are around the world. More and more Canadians, so you know, but, and I'm in the U.S., so, but it's, and I'm getting goosebumps as I talk about this. I love just sharing the stories. you Still know. Stories are powerful. We're wired mm. for story. Humans are wired, are literally, our brains are wired to learn from story. So this, this format where we just get, get to share our stories is, it just, it just speaks to my heart. So, yeah, it's, it yeah, likes, and, and
0: yeah. It, it's, it's like. Carrying a good book around with you except it's live yeah and we have the conversation what i love about it is i can be sitting here in penticton bc and you could be sitting in the u.s and it's like we're sitting on my couch having a cup of tea together right. exactly
1: exactly it's and i i actually started looking at this during the pandemic because i missed having these juicy conversations with particularly with women i have some men who come on as guests but mostly it's women because we, I had had a whole community that we did that, you know, a couple times a month. We'd get together in a circle and and have these wonderful deep, juicy. sharing, yeah. juicy. I love, yeah, juicy conversations. Juicy. <laughs> so yeah, so this this fulfills that that gap that happened with the pandemic for me too. So so let's talk a little bit about soul power. I noticed in the, some of the notes you gave me that you talked about you had come into your soul power. What do you mean by soul power? Let's start with that
0: soul is in service to others with unity and love that's what soul means to me mm-hmm. that's what i was given in one of my near-death experiences when i asked well if i'm staying here and i'm not going back then what am i i'm not a i'm not a human anymore although i've had a human experience so what am i supposed to be here i mean i didn't go over there and just float in and say hi and now get my wings. I, I I went in and I I asked the hard questions. You know that mm-hmm. that you know tough love and a velvet glove. Mm-hmm. And I I I even asked things about like, what do you mean there's no hell? Well, what happened to people like Hitler and all of that and you know mm-hmm. all the wars and no, that's a human construction based on judgment that doesn't come from calm and can't leave to say lead to sacred soul self. And so like all of these bits and pieces started to fall mm-hmm. into my lexicon, for lack of a better word. And I started to unite the principles and and bring them together into a format that was understandable. And then I began to live from those. Mm -hmm. And then synchronistically, the people that needed those bits of information in this side of the veil showed up. And I would share a little bit with them and they would share a little bit and it would go around the circle and then the circle would circle back to me. And it was just so synchronistic and so unified and so love-based that it created power. It became very powerful. So I came into my soul power when I really started to express and share the experiences I had in near death. And bring them back and start to live and teach from them here. Does yeah, that make sense?
1: Yeah, it does. It does. It does. It's I think everybody comes to it in a different way and each of us have a different, you know, expression. Interpretation. Of that. Yeah. Yeah. But it's no, it makes perfect sense to me. And and what a lovely gift to, to those of us that get to, to meet you on this side to bring back messages from the other. You know? Well, take it all in
0: because I don't plan on coming back next time. <laughs>
1: My favorite aunt has said the same thing. I'm not coming back again. I'm like, but what if I come back and I want you to come with me? <laughs> you
0: know? Well, you know, that's a conversation you have in soul circle on the other side, because mm-hmm. anybody that's in your immediate soul circle in this lifetime has been in your life in one capacity or another in every lifetime. And you carry that that forward. Mm-hmm. You know, I had an experience on my first, second day in London, England with my then husband and two friends that were travel, we were traveling together in Europe, and we co- we only had four days in London. And I was on this bus, I was on this trolley, and we were going. You know, it was one of those get on, get off trolleys, and you go all around London. Mm-hmm. And we were heading back to our hotel. We were almost finished for the day, and he, the bus decided to take us through the old quarter of old London, and mm-hmm. there was this tobacco shop that had been on that corner like for 600 years. Yeah. And I knew it. I knew it with every fiber of my being. Mm. And I leapt up and I rang the bell and I started jumping off. And my husband said, where are you going? I said, I'm going home. Come on, come on. And I jumped off. And so my husband was running after me. Our two friends were running after him. And I got to the tobacco tobacco shop, which was about, you know, a block and a half back. And I stood there and he came out and he said, what in the hell are you doing? And I said, I know this place. I know this place. I lived here. He said, what do you mean you lived here? You're, you're crazy. Did you smoke some dope? Did you have a (laughs) mushroom? What's going on? Do I know? You do know something? I don't know. I said, I know that I lived here. I know that I lived in a house near here in a big square and there were stone lines in a black red iron gate. And I, started walking and I walked around a corner and another corner and I came to the park and I I described this park to them in detail as I was walking and there it was. And then I said, that's my house. It was exactly as I described it. And it was about uh, a townhome that had probably been there about 250 years. Mm -hmm. And I clearly saw a lifetime I had in that house. Wow,
1: yeah, yeah. Past life stuff is of me. (laughs) <laughs> yeah I i've, I've learned a lot in past i yeah. yeah. i had
0: a, a similar experience in hawaii mm. so, you know and mexico
1: mm-hmm.
0: so oh. london hawaii mexico a lot of diverse
1: lifetimes yeah yeah the place that that showed up for me as an adult was really interesting i i wrote i used to write historical romance novels and they're all set in medieval scotland in the highlands I have family roots back there. So I, you know, i gotten indoctrinated into the Scottish culture when I was 10 at my first American Clan Gregor Society gathering. But when I started writing these books, I hadn't been to Scotland since I was 11. That was the only time I'd ever gotten there. And so I would get big maps out with the head. I had some that had, you know, like old castles on it. And, and some were, were they, you know, gave you how high things were in that kind of topographical And I would start looking at them and I would zero in on an area and I would imagine a castle there. And I would kind of have a feeling, one of them, there was like a wall missing and I didn't know why it was missing, but it was, it was missing. And another one, I knew that it was near standing stones. As I then turned to my research after I'm like, I think I'm going to put a castle right here. It's going to be like this. I know it's got this. I don't know why. And I'll trust that. Those castles were there. Yes. And they were as I had described them. (laughs) And they were of the time period I wanted to write in. And I know, having gone and visited most of those places since then, that I I have an affinity. There's it's familiar, you know, it's familiar. I don't have that sense of exactly what life I had there, but I know that this is a place that I had been and lived a life. And it was but it was so fun to like. I think I was imagining all of these places and then had them turn out to be real. It's like, okay. <laughs> Do you a, find when superpower. you go
0: back there that you kind of slip it to the vernacular? I know when I go back, I sound more British than my husband, who is British. Um, and people will say, where is your wife from? I can't quite pick up. Because, yeah. you know, like, it, it's there. The dialect depends on what county you're in and, right. and everything else. Mostly, when I, I found out that I was my that my mom's family was Irish, not not English, as we always thought. When we went to England and we went to see the graveside of my husband's great grandfather and the in the village that they lived in, and there was my mother's family name everywhere, mm-hmm. and they had they lived in England a long time, but they they emigrated from mm-hmm. Ireland. Mm-hmm. England and then from there to the U.S. and from the U.S. to Canada. So when I told my mother all of that, she was just like I'm amazed. And then she went to a family reunion in the States and found them all.
1: Yeah. Yeah. What what I noticed when I was in Scotland, and this has been a long time now since I was there, but it wasn't that I like slipped into the vernacular, but I could understand everybody except yes. except for one fellow from Glasgow. <laughs> His wife had to translate for me because that's such a strange thick accent, the Glaswegian accent, but, but we went high you know, up into the northern part of the country and you get a thicker and thicker brogue as you get up there. Yeah. And I had no trouble understanding those people. So yeah. I think that too was part of that, you know, sort of sense, sense memory kind of stuff, but yeah, it's past lives are amazing. I do a lot of, not a lot, I do shamanic work and so much of that is about recovering things exactly. from past lives. And I, I really like that work. It's really interesting to me. So I want to touch back. Just I want to back up a little bit because you were talking earlier about how you learn to trust yourself as you are moving along with this. And I know it's something that I teach. I I have a class on how to communicate with your spirit guides. And one of the things I teach people is how to learn to trust that you are receiving accurately. So trust is an important thing, on think, on the spiritual path because we do get a lot of that modern vernacular borrowing from old movies gaslit about what we're experiencing well prove it to me how do you know that you know those kinds of things so what were some of the things that or some of the things maybe that you teach to your clients now that create trust in yourself and in what you're receiving do you mean do you mean how do
0: how do i bring them to to show them they can trust me or how i teach them to trust themselves or both
1: to trust themselves is really the one that I like to teach people.
0: <laughs> I, I, You know what? I go right back to the ABCs. What you declare yourself to be. I mean, I always say the, mo- the biggest thing, I, the most important thing yeah. I teach, if you get nothing else from me, is I am. When you mm-hmm. say better I am, whatever comes after that better be based in love and trust and and joy. And if it's a negative feeling or a negative thing you're responding to, then you have to trust that your words can change. The Mm -hmm. energy of your words spoken from your heart has more power than a thousand light bulbs. Mm -hmm. You can turn light bulbs on with that love. Mm -hmm. So if you just love yourself enough and trust yourself as you would trust a guide or a guardian and know that whatever they have, you have, And it's like little things. It's 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 building blocks. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm And most of the I work mostly with women and a few brave men like you. (laughs) And the thing that I find the most is that they've been indoctrinated to trust everything in their life except themselves. Yes. You know, trust the government, trust your teachers, trust your your parents, trust your husband. Mm -hmm. And that's all well if they're worthy of your trust right and what they're doing is worthy of of love and light and unity if it's not and you're feeling it it's causing a negative backwash like a tsunami mm-hmm. on your energy and you need to clear that and come to terms with it and then trust ask your guides and guardians just ask mhm you know that that the very first spiritual book that came into my hands that that really helped me was a book I was given in a very difficult time in my life called ask your angels. Mm. And it's an old, old book by Timothy Wiley. And I, I forget who the lady is now. It, it basically was that the ABCs of talking to spirit, mm. whatever, whatever God creator angels, are, they are real. They uh, have, have a body of energy that is so much bigger and brighter and love-based than ours mm. that we can rest into that. And what I find most mm. is that people that have had tragic passings and didn't align with that before, then they go over their biggest gift. The thing they want most to do is to bring that light and love to their loved ones mm. so that they can know it here and now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that's the, it's the present. And I use a lot of, I brought back a lot of principles from my different and diverse, you know, near death experiences. And I started like at first writing them out and, and all this to God, they're like, they're on this is it. This, this, <laughs> this, this is forgiveness on a card. And I've yeah. got the calm principle and the sacred, sacred soul self and, you know, mm-hmm. pivots with purpose. And all of those are yeah. things that I was shown and sh- and were shared with me on the other side. And I now know, you know, at the time, I didn't know why that was happening. And I now, I now know that was so I would come back. I would share. I would live from it first mm-hmm. and see how it worked for me, see how it changed my life. And then I would start to share it first with my closest family and friends and then the greater world. And more and more people were drawn to it. And yeah. it just became a way of being.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. Just uh, that that resonated. <laughs> I just take a yes. deep breath. Yeah. Okay. Oh, we're so, heart to heart here. Yeah. Yeah. It really is. It's Does uh, it feel like your heart is too big for your body right now? Oh, it's way outside. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It started off pretty good anyway, but it's just really expanded. I, I just wanted to to make one point about trusting. And because I had I had an experience as we were starting before we actually started recording, where you were telling me about the aura that I was expressing, and it was I would call it validating for me because the way you described it and explained it to me is the way I live with intention, is to live from the heart and to and to be guided by the heart, and and yet you saw something that I don't see, and so it's very helpful I find to have somebody else kind of tell you what they're seeing or about yourself because it does quiet that ego in there going, who are you to be able to do this? Or who, you know, who are you to think you, you're worthy of this? As women, we particularly have been indoctrinated into that that thought. You know, and if you trust to
0: like I just, I just channel whatever comes, good, mm-hmm. bad, or indifferent, because if I start to judge it, then I know I'm in my head. If right. I start to tweak it, Then I know I'm in my head and I pull right back to my heart. I know that whatever message, whatever spirit, whatever angel comes forward for the people I'm working with, I am supposed to deliver it exactly as it is delivered to me and trust that it will land where and how they need
1: to hear it. That's exactly the way I work with clients. Yes, I'm not always as kind to myself. No, (laughs) you should just
0: heal thyself, right?
1: Right. (laughs) Did I hear that right? Did I? No. (laughs) It's
0: really funny, too, because I never used to work with cards or anything. And then it became such a thing about 10 years ago.
1: Mm -hmm. And
0: my husband gave me a beautiful deck of cards. And then I got another deck of cards sent to me from from John Holland, who I I worked with a lot many years ago. And then Wayne Dyer sent me his inspiration cards. And it was like, okay, I'm supposed to use these. So I was using them just for myself. Mm -hmm. And then I found with clients that I would give them the information that I was getting. And we would be working on the principles and how that pertained to whatever person, place, Mm -hmm. or situation was, whatever was going on in their life right then. Mm -hmm. So I would deliver all of that with absolute trust in the angels and guides. And then when I would pull the cards, I never chose, like I've got about 10 decks I work with regular. And I always say, pick a number between one and 10, because I've got them lined up here on the side of the desk. And then I just pull from that. Mm -hmm. And I don't do like the huge old tarot spread Mm -hmm. cards. I do the near past, the right now and the near future, three Mm -hmm. cards done and done. Mm -hmm. And they always, without fail, every single time, confirm Yeah, exactly what we've just been talking about. So I use them more as a confirmation.
1: Mm -hmm. And it's
0: the same when I do aura imaging because Mm -hmm. my husband and I do aura imaging and I do sessions where we'll do a before picture and then they'll come into my office and we'll work on doing some clearing and some cord cutting and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, channel their, their angels, read it. And then I'll do a complete clearing and grounding and Reiki treatment. Mm-hmm. Send them back for another image. It's like night and day.
1: Wow, it's wow! Like,
0: it, and I'll point out on the first picture what we need to mm-hmm. change, what we mm-hmm. need to work on, moving out of them. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I love, I love when we can provide that kind of validation. Yeah. I love when, when I don't know the person and I get a message, and I don't always understand it, but I like you. I just, just like here is what I am hearing. I'm supposed to tell you this, or I'm supposed to give you this song lyric or whatever is coming in. And they go, oh, I know exactly what that is. This is, this is, this, and this is this. Okay. That makes perfect sense. You know? she And I'm like, okay, good. That, that, yeah, that was clear. They validated it for themselves because it came from an external source, but you know, they, they understood it. So yeah, it's, I love the, the, the visual though of the aura imaging. That's, it's it's incredible, That's and it, you incredible. know it
0: changed my life. And I came across it so synchronistically. I came across it in England, actually. So I was telling my husband, and he fully understood what I was talking about and how I was explaining it to him. But it, it truly didn't make. He's a very he's a mechanical engineer. He's very soulful, <laughs> but he's a mechanical engineer, so everything needs to be quite linear and right. and understandable and achievable. And right, you know. All the all the that ducks and all the brain stuff, and we had uh, gone to Cornwall, and we I, I love Doc Martin and the show Doc Martin, so I wanted to go to to the town that Doc Martin was filmed in, and then we went to a boot sale and we were looking for antiques and stuff. And a boot sale yeah. is when they open up their trunks and they're selling bits and bobs <laughs> from their trunks, right? So we. We're desperate for a cup of coffee. We'd been in England for four weeks and we hadn't had a decent cup of coffee yet. Yeah. And there was a little sign in the town of Tintagel said the best coffee in England, Camelot Castle. Well, I'm all about King Arthur and the knights and everything. I, I love that whole thing. And, and in my heart and soul, I know it was real. Mm-hmm. I know it's an ancient legend that is based in truth. Mm-hmm. And so I said, we have to go to Tintagel. And we have to go to that castle. So we went and we had an amazing experience. Like you want to talk a place filled with ghosts. And, he, and, oh. and I found a, a cairn with a, a an old chieftain in it, in his old regalia and walking mm. to me. And he couldn't understand the way I was dressed, whether I was a man or a woman. <laughs> had quite a dialogue together. And wow. uh, then he went back into the stones and I went and sat on the stones and had the most amazing time. Yeah. Backstory, I'm walking in down to in this little village and there is a picture like the very old one that they first started doing it like carillion Mm -hmm. and i thought oh my god oh my god i'm not losing my mind it's (laughs) real oh i i i started burst into tears wow i i cried so hard i almost wet my pants Mm -hmm. and and frank says what's going on are you are you dying is something i said no you can see it that's it. And I grabbed his head, and we went in, and we got our pictures taken, and I was the happiest woman in the world. Wow!
1: So, it's, you know, it was it was like so validating mm-hmm. That, mm-hmm. that it could be seen. Yeah, yeah, you know? I know, and it's it's one of those things that that I ask for periodically. Is I would like to be able to see auras. You can, you know, you can practice. I, I, well, I haven't, I have not done that well apparently yet. (laughs) So
0: if you try focusing just on this part of the body. Okay. And it really helps if they're not against a dark wall. Okay. It's easier if it's, if you're in the light or not, not in the, in the window light, that Mm -hmm. won't work, but just against a mid or light colored wall Mm -hmm. and just stand. You don't have somebody stand against the wall and just concentrate, not on their face, but just look past them through to the wall and you will start to see. I'm getting tingles now doing this. So you'll start to see light form around it. Okay. Once you see that light, you can't unsee it. And you'll start looking for it everywhere you go in people. Okay. And you'll notice that the bigger the light, the more light you see.
1: Hmm.
0: And you can't unsee it. And, the, and then when you start practicing, after a while, you will start to see the colors. Okay. Maybe not the way I see them, because mm-hmm. I see through them, like through the body. So, yes. but anyone, anyone, however, can, can learn to see
1: the outline aura. Okay, good. Now I'm going yeah. to add that to my daily practice. <laughs> you can do it with yourself in a mirror. Okay. That makes it even easier. <laughs> All right. Thank you for that little lesson there. That was great. <laughs> so we, want, we, we wanted to talk about this one thing that you said is coming up a lot right now, and I think it's timely to our world. So I want to just pivot a little bit here from, from reading Auras to, to this topic of failure and forgiveness. You said it's coming in a lot right now.
0: It is coming in a lot right now. Uh, for, the, for about the past three or four months, I've noticed, especially with new clients that aren't, aren't really familiar with me or my work and that, when I, I do what I call a zero-to-clarity session with people in the beginning, which allows me to you know look into their light and their light body and to see where they're limiting themselves. And my goal is to take them from limited to limitless Mm -hmm. and from no soul to sacred soul self, right? Not that, that awareness. Mm -hmm. And so the first thing I see is, is where they are not, where they are feeling failure in themselves or someone else that's impacting their life. And this used to be, you know, just like the normal stuff. I didn't get a degree that my parents wanted Mm -hmm. or, It's it's usually generally a self-worth issue. And yet since our world, uh, and especially here in North America, how we've been affected in the U.S. and Canada and even Mexico by the degree of turmoil that's going on in the rest of the world is affecting us at a cellular level because we're trying to come to terms energetically with all of this chaos and incoherence in the world that is not of our making. And, you know, I try never to bring politics into it, but it's really hard Mm -hmm. when we have such diverse politics and such division within our own countries politically. I'm feeling that in Canada in a way I've never felt it before. I've felt it watching you know, yeah. the dog fights in the US and yes. that's what what I like in politicians to their dogs, you know, yeah. they do from the same bone, doesn't yeah. matter what country they come from. Right. And then when we, you know, this, we are, we are now on the verge of having to make a choice of whether the world goes to war or not. Yeah. And it, it is sobering. It is soul destroying yeah. and to see what's going on in the world right now and not be able to push that light into that space is a little soul destroying. Yes. So the first thing we have to do is protect our light and do the best we can and not, not feel like a failure because we can't do a lot about the bigger picture except give our energy of love.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And, and that, you know, when you dial it down to your personal experience, failure is a tool. Whatever we're failing at, or we're feeling the world is failing at, or our politicians are failing at, or our family is failing at, at the personal level, energetically, failure is a tool that challenges us to adjust our attitude and to dig deep and rediscover our gifts and apply them with courage and discernment. And you could discover the energy of any feeling word when you look for meaning in the word. In our language, mm-hmm. Every single word, and whether it's whether we're speaking Russian or Polish or Chinese or Japanese, it doesn't matter. The construct of the energy behind the meaning of the word that is the same, regardless of what language it's spoken in, is free.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so I take, one of, one of the things I've learned is that the words that you speak and the words that you think have incredible power to change your reality. Even more power to change the reality of the world around you. Mm -hmm. If you and the world are being impacted negatively, the best thing that we can do right now is acknowledge our successes. Right? Mm
1: -hmm.
0: I'll give you a personal example. I'm writing a book, and I've really been struggling, as you probably know, a little bit with getting this darn thing to the place where I feel I'm I'm almost there, Mm -hmm. and it's not, it's not the principles. I have them all lined up and I know how to put them in the last half of the book. I've got it written out. It's the journey and mm-hmm. integrating the principles. So I was feeling like a real failure about that. So what is failure? What does it stand for? The F stands for freedom to choose a gate. The A stands for awareness, alignment, and action. If you don't take action on what your feelings are telling you, then you lose the eye, the intention, the inspiration to make changes. And you cannot, you can't make a change if you don't love yourself and lean in and learn the lessons. Failure is an energetic tool that empowers us to make big changes. We can all remember every single time we fell in it and Mm -hmm. failed or felt the energy of failure. The truth is there's no failure. It's just the experience of feeling that that allows us to stand up and live larger, to live a larger love-based life. And that means we have to release limiting beliefs. We have to reconnect and we have to restore what's been missing or what's been taken away that we need back. We have to take our power back from -hmm. the people, places, or things we've given it to that no longer serve us. And then we have to evolve, evolve through valuation rather than evaluation. As human mm. beings from the cradle, we are taught before we can speak to evaluate everything that's going on around us. And the truth is we, we will get nowhere from evaluation. It's a form of judgment and judgment right. is a form of chaos and chaos creates incoherence. And then through our judgment, we are creating the black pool that is becoming our world. When we find value in everything, every person, every place, everything, regardless. And I know that's really hard to Mm. find value, you know, in in some of the things that are happening right now. We have to find a value because there's a lesson in it for us. And the minute we learn the lesson, the failure goes away and now you've got freedom. Freedom.
1: Yeah, that's been one of the, that that last bit has been one of the big lessons of my life is to not look at something as happening to me, failure, judgment, all that stuff, but rather what's in it for me. Yes, it's happening for you. Happening for me. Okay, so this sucks, but what's happening for me? What is it that I need to learn, understand, receive, take away from this? And for me, learning to do that, and I still have to stop some time and go, okay, victim mode, let's get out of that. <laughs> you know? We all do. <laughs> but for me, that's been the probably the biggest lesson of my of the last 10 years of my life. And it's such a handy tool once you learn to go, oh wait, I'm in victim mode. Okay, let me take a breath. Okay, so why is this happening for me? What is uh-huh. it? You know, and start getting curious what is it that that's here for me? This is for me. Even if it sucks, it's here for me. And once you learn that lesson or you receive that, whatever it is, Mm. then things turn around. Things change. Things get better. I find that ways open up that I didn't know were available to me when I can do that. Absolutely, absolutely. So,
0: And it's forgiveness too. I I loved Mark. I wrote this down because I knew we might talk about this. This is one of my very favorite things. And when I first started thinking about the energy of forgiveness, Martin Luther King said, Forgiveness does not mean putting a false label on an evil act. It means rather that the evil act no longer remains a barrier to friendship. Now, we must recognize that the evil deed, the enemy, the neighbor, the thing that hurts... Never expresses all that he, she, it is. It's all an element of good, and it may be found even in the worst enemy. That's from Martin Luther King. Mm-hmm. And when you, th- that gives me chills. Me when too. I read, yeah. Especially when we look at what's going on in Ukraine and, and the worldview of that. It, forgiveness doesn't mean forgetting, mm-hmm. it means learn the lesson apply the tools of love and unity and fairness and freedom to the lesson mm. and then live from a higher perspective of it.
1: Yeah. Mm.
0: Forgiveness is, is what grows our soul. Yeah. It, it's the number one vitamin for our soul. Mm-hmm. It's the best nutrient we can give it. Forgive and love again. Yeah. It doesn't mean don't do what you have to do. Don't be a victim. It means understand that you have the power to transcend the pain that you're feeling, and most of the pain becomes comes from being in a place of lack of forgiveness,
1: yeah, yeah, it's like we're hurting ourselves, yeah, yeah, You're just stab a little bit yeah. more <laughs> let me feel even worse about this yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh look now, my heart is bleeding too, yeah, yeah it's and and that's where uh, that's exactly the lesson that I learned when when it. When I learned that I was kept putting myself in victim mode and I I backed up from that, got some perspective, asked some questions, and I learned that I just couldn't forgive, in this case, it was my mother, for not being the mother I wanted her to be. Oh my God, I had the same experience. But looking back at her experience as a mother, and now that I've been a mother for a long time, I can kind of put myself at the same ages. She did a remarkably good job and she's a narcissist so you know there's th- that mix in there but i had compassion for her i mean yeah. when she was when when she was pregnant with me she got my uncle who was seven years old and was now an orphan and my dad had an, a nervous breakdown and she had to hold it all together at 22 you know <laughs> it was like yeah. okay so maybe i can cut her some slack and and be compassionate and be understanding of the situation and that she did the best she could and i can forgive her and i can forgive myself for wanting her to be something she wasn't and couldn't be and couldn't be and it, couldn't no, be she couldn't be she did the best That's she the, could with the, what she had in the moment yeah
0: yeah it's the false label of expectations that we
1: mm-hmm. that we put upon
0: yeah. and people places and and things that are not of us mm-hmm. and we have to realize that, that that is the way that we have to go. I had a similar experience with my mother, and I thought I had a lot to forgive around my father, whom I adored. My mm-hmm. mother, I always just felt like her best friend. You know, mm-hmm. I never felt like a child with her oh, ever. Yeah. And I resented that, and I didn't know that I was carrying that resentment in me, and especially because I had a younger brother and sister, and my sister's much younger than me. And so she was getting all of the attention that I never got, and I just became... A, again a surrogate mother yes so i rem- i went on this really intense retreat called the wall and at this wall you know i ran up and down a mountain so many times that i burned my rubbers they they were just dead mm-hmm. and i thought i went up that mountain and down that mountain a million times to learn how to forgive my father and who i loved deeply and when it came down, push came to shove, and I actually told the truth to myself. It had nothing to do with my father
1: mm-hmm. and
0: everything to do with my mother. I went to the airport. I changed my flight. I flew to Salt Spring Island. I told my mother to meet me on Vancouver Island, and we locked ourselves into a motel together for four days, and we talked it out. Wow. And it was the most empowering thing for both of us, I think, that had ever happened. mm mm-hmm. And I I really, you know, I love my mother and she was an absolutely brilliant, talented, gifted woman. Mm -hmm. She put up with a lot of crap that I didn't understand. Yeah. And when I saw through her lens what she saw and heard through her words, what she felt as an adult woman, right? you know, that was the age she was when I was experiencing these things as a child. It was a, a whole different dichotomy.
1: Yeah, it, it, putting yourself in, in that place at that age with whatever the circumstances are, that for me was an eye-opening experience, you know? And so, yeah, so this forgiveness thing is so much what we need in the world right now. Absolutely. And like you said, it's not forgetting. Let's learn the lesson and let's move forward from the heart.
0: Yeah, learn the lesson. Lean into love, apply the love, apply the lesson. And what I know to be true is that each and every one of us, regardless of our affiliation, our race, our creed, our religion, or lack thereof, we are all a beautiful, infinite thread in a blanket of infinite unity. Mm -hmm. And in that blanket, we are held gently with love and peace and yeah i mean one of the first questions i asked when i realized i could talk on the other side Mm -hmm. was you mean hitler went to heaven are you telling me that hitler went to heaven and the the guides that i was with there said absolutely there is no heaven exactly and there is no hell Mm -hmm. hell are a human construction Right. that allow you to create rules to live by that don't apply here because here there is nothing but love so there is no judgment there is no evaluation there is only value in every single soul that mm-hmm. is and you re- you come from that and you return to that your mission should you wish to accept it <laughs> you know and i i, I laughed because i was really into star wars then when mm-hmm. they said that's how they said it to me your mission should mm-hmm. you wish to accept it, is to be love in all things. If you can't be love, be peace. If you can't be peace, be grace. Mm. And if you can't be grace, then get the hell out of there. <laughs> yeah. And that was literally mm.
1: how it was explained to me. All right. I think that's a good, a good place for us to bring a close to this. I do have... I, you've mentioned several books <laughs> since since we've been talking. I've been taking notes, so we've got lots of books. But is there one must-read book that comes to mind right now? Uh, Wayne Dyer. Huxley. so Manifest
0: <laughs> Your Destiny and the Wisdom of the Ages. Say those again. Manifest Your Destiny and the Wisdom of the Ages. Okay. And all of the Conversations with God books with Neil Donald Walsh and Shakti Gawain, Your True Colors.
1: All right. We got a whole old list here. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Shakti Gawain. Okay. (laughs) My pen is running out. Okay. Thank you for sharing those with us. All right. Can you tell the um, listeners where they can find you? The best
0: way to reach me is through my website, www.donnafairhurst.com. And when you sign into my website, you have an opportunity to book a complimentary Zero to Clarity session with me. You can uh, receive a free gift, which is my manifesting miracle prayer. And yeah, everything is laid out there. How to contact me, my, my Facebook group is there, all things Donna and what she does
1: DonnaFairhurst.com. Great, great. Nice and easy. And of course, we will have that and all of her other contact information in the show notes. Great. I really want to thank you for being here. This has been such an amazing, we've covered some ground. In this oh yeah, conversation. We, traveled. we
0: traveled the world. <laughs> yes.
1: So I do, I really appreciate you taking the time to be here with me today and to have this juicy conversation. And oh my God. I, I hope that we get to, you know, spend time with each other again in the future, because I just oh, love... you're
0: lying. It's going to happen. Yeah, this I think so doubt too. About it. We choose it. We
1: choose right. it. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much, Lauren. I've enjoyed this immensely. Good. Good. All right. Now, I want to thank the listeners for being here with us today at Curiously Wise, Practical Spirituality in the Action. I think you've learned some action points here today. And I hope to see you next time on the next episode. In the meantime, stay curious. Thank you so much for joining us today on Curiously Wise. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe so you don't miss future fabulous conversations. And if you had any ahas, please share them in a review on Apple Podcasts so we can continue to pay forward the unique wisdom we all have if you want to know more about me or my intuitive energy healing practice Heartlight Wellness please head over to my website www.heartlightjoy.com Curiously Wise is a team effort I am grateful for the skill and enthusiasm Arlene Membrot, our producer and Sam Wittig, our audio engineer bring to this collaboration our music is Where the Light Is by Lemon Music Studio. I'm Lauren Wittig. Please join me again next week for another episode of Curiously Wise. From my heart to yours, may your life be filled with love, light, joy, and of course, curiosity.